Before we get to the show, if you want to listen ad-free, go to gzmshows.com slash subscribers. That's gzmshows.com slash subscribers. This is from Caspian, where Bebop's okay, Griffin's the best, and... Uh-oh. Jonathan double the best. Whoa! A surprise ending on that one from Miles from Bend, Oregon. Thank you so much, Miles. Amazing stuff. And I kind of feel like at this point I've tricked our audience into saying nice things about me, but I really appreciate it. I feel that way too. Hey, I'll take it. And actually, we got one from Rollick, who's seven from Glen Ridge, New Jersey, that I really liked a lot. So let's play that one. Troop 301 reporting for fun. Yeah, I really like that one, don't you, Bebop? I do, and actually I have one to talk about as well. Amelia Shriver, she made an actual robot code. So we can do some really fun catchphrases through a very secret robot code. What's this now? Don't worry about it, Jonathan. The link will be in the show notes and you can see the code there. Um, you're doing the show notes now? Don't worry about it, Jonathan. Listeners, you get me. Check out the show notes and you'll see how the code works and you can record your own catchphrases for the next season of Bebop Tales. You're doing catchphrases for Bebop Tales now? Don't worry about it, Jonathan. Okay, well, let's have the explorers report for fun, shall we? If you remember what happened in the last episode, we had three choices for what was going to propel the explorers to the goblin planet. The giant crossbow, the golden pitcher, and the floppy fish. We got a couple of hundred votes in, and the winner won by a lot. What was it, Jonathan? Don't worry about it, Bebop. Find out in the Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian, Season 5, Episode 12, The Goblin Lab. No idea, said the queen. We just built it, and we've never tested this one before, but it looks fun. So, what will it be? The fish, said Vale. What? You're crazy, said Elias. Clearly we should go with the pitcher. He's not going to splat us, and the worst thing that happens is that we curve into outer space, and we live in outer space every day. It's not new for us. The fish, said Vale. Our many a fish has tried to eat me in my day, said Crabhammer. Trust me, it's not a pleasant experience. I say we go with Elias and choose the pitcher. The fish, said Vale. Oh, this kid's got fish on the brain, said Boggis, pointing his thumb at Vale and shaking his head. The answer is clearly the fish, said Vale. No, said Boggis. What I was going to say was that the answer is obviously the fish, said Vale. Stop that, said Boggis. I was going to say the crossbow. If you think about it, hitting an evil goblin planet isn't so bad. First of all, you could destroy some of the goblin's equipment. I like the golden pitcher, said Paige. Maybe it could take a few practice throws to make sure it gets its aim right. Finn and Abigail looked at each other. The elfin queen had set them an impossible task. How are they going to all agree 
on which device of doom would propel them to a planet full of angry goblins, one of which could splat them, one of which could hurl them into space, and the other is... The fish, said Vale. Okay, okay, said everyone, including the elves, to Vale. Hey, don't yell at me just because I'm right, said Vale. How do you figure you're right, said Elias. Honestly, it seems like everything is wrong with this. Because, said Vale, the crossbow is going to flatten us on the planet. We know that. The golden pitcher looks like he's going to toss us into space, and there's nothing we could do about it. But we don't know what the fish is going to do. So far, it hasn't done anything bad. That's because it hasn't done anything, Vale, said Abigail. It's untested. I know, said Vale, but think about it. The others have been tested and they've failed. At least with the fish, it hasn't failed yet. And look, we'll be famous. As the only pirates to ever be spit through space by a giant fish? Exactly, said Vale. Captain Crabhammer gets it. Come on, guys. It's obviously the fish. The fish. The fish. The fish. Come on, let me hear you. The fish. The fish. The fish. No one joined in Vale's chant. Come on, a little louder now. The fish, the fish, the fish. Vale, would you stop? said Paige. I can't hear you. The fish, the fish, the fish. Okay, okay, stop, please, said Abigail. I don't want to have a headache before I collide with a goblin planet. Abigail sighed and looked around her at her fellow pirates. Is it me, or is Vale making sense? No one said anything, but no one objected either. Great, then it is settled, said the queen. I assure you, though the fish has never been tested, it's a great idea. And if you do end up splatted or lost in space, or the fish simply eats you... Wait, that's an option? said Finn. We don't know. That's the fun of it, said the queen. No matter what... We will all remember you fondly. Anyhow, please, into the barrel and no more questions. The pirate crew squeezed into the barrel just barely. Crabhammer had to tuck himself into the folds of Bogus's neck, and Elias's foot hung out a porthole window. They looked, to be honest, like a big, brass, overstuffed space sausage. This is really uncomfortable, said Finn, whose head was bent so his chin pressed against his chest. How do you think I feel? said Crabhammer from Bogus's neck flesh. Oh, I'm sorry, said the queen. My assistant here says we can make an adjustment. One moment. The queen pressed the button and the barrel expanded, loosening all of the pirates so they could at the very least breathe. Thanks said Elias, pulling his leg back in the window. The golden pitcher bent down and picked up the barrel. The fish stood on its tail, and the pitcher dropped the barrel into the fish's mouth. Okay, on the count of three, said the queen. All of the gathered elves yelled, One, two, three! The fish spit the barrel about three feet in front of it, the pirates all clanging and banging around inside as they hit the ground. Are we there yet? yelled Vale. False start, said the queen. Sorry, sorry. 
I think we forgot to wind it up. Let's try again, shall we? The pitcher plucked the barrel from the ground and deposited it back into the giant fish's mouth. Outside, where the explorers couldn't see, an elf cranked away, and the barrel chinked further and further into the fish's belly. Are we being eaten now? said Finn. The explorers were shot straight off the planet at a speed they couldn't have imagined, barreling, quite literally, toward the green goblin planet. But it turned out the planet was much farther away than they had thought, and the going was not so smooth. Many things happened to them on their way from the fish's mouth to the goblin ground, such as a giant three-headed goblin lizard creature flew out to greet them, but Captain Crabhammer bonked each of its three noses with his hammer, and eventually it released them. And also, some sort of portal opened up in front of them, and it was all the explorers could do to throw their weight against the side of the barrel to knock it off course and just barely dodge the portal. And also, the barrel was beset with space bugs, little itchy creatures that bit and stung at the explorers. Paige cranked up the light of her magic, and the bugs, which hated the light, flew away. And don't forget, Bogus read a pirate poem that was so bad, all of the explorers cried, and Elias contemplated jumping out of the window. And then there was also the very weird thing that happened where Crabhammer grew an enormous white beard that he had to clip repeatedly with his claw. No one knows why that happened. But another thing happened, and that was that the barrel landed on the top of a tree. And in that tree were dozens of furious parrots. The same parrots Finn and Abigail had angered in the magical in-between. They'd chased the explorers, but the portal had sent them to the goblin planet instead. Oh, that's right. I told you we'd get you for this, said one of the parrots. So what are you going to do, said Vale? How are you going to get us? You're a parrot. Oh, that makes me so mad, said the parrot. Oh, that makes me so mad. I'm just going to, I'm just going to. The parrot flapped its wings, but it didn't do anything. See, you got nothing, said Vale. Oh, yeah, said the parrot. They're here. Hey, goblins, they're here. The invaders from the elves who are trying to attack you. They're here, up here in the tree. Come and get them. The last thing Finn remembers was about a hundred little green, pointy-eared goblins running up the tree where their barrel was caught and the smug smile on the face of the parrot before everything went dark. The explorers awoke in a laboratory. That was Finn's first guess, even though it didn't look like any laboratory he'd ever seen. The robot room on the Marlow was pristine, all straight lines and right angles and extra clean surfaces. The Goblin Laboratory, however, was full of burbling pots and mossy tables and chairs that could have been made out of old tree stumps or giant fungus. It was impossible to tell. The pirates, all of them, were sitting on the floor of the lab. In the corner, Finn could see one of the Marlow robots, the little wolf bot, its back hatch opened its eyes black. It seemed the goblins had pried it open to figure out how it worked. In one of the small cauldrons, he could see a piece of metal in the gurgling, steaming liquid. The goblins had not yet figured out 
how to make robots work, thought Finn. Are you guys awake? said Finn. They all whispered that they were. The explorers all stood and surveyed the room. There was a door closed on one wall, and as far as they could see, no goblins around. All right, said Abigail. We're going to stick together. We always split up, and it never works out. This time, we need everybody together. Not everybody, said Crabhammer. What do you mean, said Abigail. Your old pal, my first mate, Boggus, is missing. The kids all looked around. Crabhammer was right. They'd all awakened in the lab. All of them, except Boggus. Ooh, that double-crossing double-crosser. I should have known. Who needs him, said Paige. None of us trusted him anyway. Come on, we need to get out of here quickly and find Proto and the others. Elias walked over to one of the bubbling beakers. A pink steam rose from whatever liquid was boiling inside, and it smelled like rotten eggs that had been stepped on by zombie feet. Why would they put us in here? said Abigail. Why not some dungeon? Aren't they worried about all of their stuff? Just then, the door to the lab flew open, and something zoomed inside so fast that the explorers all fell to the floor to avoid getting hit by it. It zoomed around at them again, and again they ducked and rolled out of the way. Whatever this was, it was so fast, it was clear this was some powerful magic the goblins had set loose. The thing flew straight at the explorers until they were pinned against the back wall, unable to get anywhere, and then it landed right in front of them. It was a robot. A green glowing robot. Green smoke snaked from its eyes like some magical fire was burning inside of it. Through the doorway, Finn could make out two small goblins dressed in rags, their pointy teeth showing through crooked smiles. You are all prisoners of the goblins now, said the green robot. We have been expecting you, and we expect you to work for us. Finn peered through the green smoke at the robot. He looked familiar, but it didn't make any sense. It was impossible. It couldn't be. His heart sank, and he nearly fell to the floor. Elias caught him, and Paige said what nobody else could. Foggy? All right, I am here with nobody today. Griffin is saving his final thoughts for next week's finale episode. So it's just me flying solo this week. I know that Griffin did ask me, how could it be that Foggy was there when he wasn't kidnapped by the thieves before? And all I can say is no spoilers. (laughs) And I have no one here to yell at me about no spoilers. So first of all, I want to say thank you so much to everybody who voted in our little poll. And thank you especially to Brendan, who's seven from Pittsburgh, and Silas, who is nine from Ann Arbor, Michigan, whose comments they put into that poll helped inform this story. So thank you both so much. All right. And now let's thank our artists. We have Layton, who is six from Belton, Texas. Marcel, who is five from Sydney, Australia. Levi, who is seven. And Logan, who is five from Hamilton, Ohio. Miles and Katie from North Carolina, Samuel, who's seven from Canada, 
our pal Finnegan, Eli, who is five, Cameron, who is five, Isaac, who is four from South Wales, New York, Evan, who is nine from Raleigh, North Carolina, Luke and Eric from Waco, Texas, Elliot, who is seven, Miles from Raleigh, North Carolina, who is six, Michael and Charlie from Seattle, Henry, who is five, from Sacramento, California, and Alfred from Aberdeen in Scotland, who made some Heinz-branded Bebop food for us. That's amazing. Thank you all so much. All right, and up first for our jokes, we have Harper from Maine. Hello, my name is Harper. I'm from Maine, and this is my joke. What's the richest kind of air? What? millionaire. (laughs) That's awesome. Thank you, Harper. And we also have Paul from Elkton, Maryland. Hi, I'm Paul Corbett from Elkton, Maryland, and I'm nine years old, and I have a joke for you. What do you call a space witch? Star Wars. Bye. Love your show. (laughs) All right. That is awesome. Thank you all so much for taking our poll. Thank you for your jokes. Thank you for your sounds. Thank you for your art. And since Griffin isn't here, let me see if I can get this right. Bye-bye-bye-bye. No, no, no. Bye-bye, bye-bye-bye. No. Hold on. Bye, bye-bye-bye-bye. I think that was right, right? <laughs> All right, for Griffin and Bebop, this is Jonathan saying bye-bye-bye. All right, thanks again for coming back and having more fun with us this week. We only have one more episode this season, and then, of course, it's going to be Bebop Tales, and then, of course, we'll have Season 6. So make sure, if you're not subscribed to the show in the app of your choice, hit that subscribe button. And if you are subscribed, stay with us, because we have a lot more episodes to come. The Alien Adventures of Fincast means a Gen Z Kids production, written and produced by Jonathan Messenger, edited and guided by Griffin Messenger, with special thanks to Maria Villanueva. Our intern is Emerson Messenger, and the music you hear at the beginning and end of every show is by Mark Greenberg, recently voted the nicest human in the multiverse. Our cover art is by Sir Ian Dingman. For more great shows for your whole family, go to bestrobotever.com. For more information about this show, check out the show notes. Apparently, Bebop has some stuff in there that I don't know about. And we will see you next week! Seriously. Check out the code in the show notes. Hey, parents and teachers. Have you heard about gzmclassroom.com? It's a website where teachers can get companion resources for everyone's favorite GZM shows. Six Minutes, Mars Patel, Podcast Title Pending, Seis Minutos, The Res, Becoming Mother Nature, Iowa Chapman and the Last Dog, Treasure Island 2020, The Hollow, Young Ben Franklin, and The Big Fib all have companion resources for additional critical thinking, listening comprehension, and ultimately creativity. We made them just for you. And oh yeah, they're free. Free! The people on Facebook didn't believe us, but they are F-R-E-E free. Head to gzmclassroom.com and get yours today.